Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, everybody. Once again, I'm Deb, food addict. I am in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it is a beautiful day today. Um, it's been chilly in the 30s in the morning, and the dog um, knows that uh, I won't take her out then. But I, before I start, I wanted to share some pictures um, of myself. Let's see if... Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. That's not what I wanted to do. See, uh, I'm, I'm nervous. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm tech host and I was secretary and I've been doing a lot of service at this meeting. And of course, today um, I'm nervous. So let's try this again. Here we go. So here is a photo of me, real live um, compulsive eater. And I'm going to show you one more. And um, one of the things that I notice when I see these pictures of myself is kind of the glazed look in my eyes. This one is interesting because there's even a stain on my shirt, which you can tell, uh, you know, yeah, that meant to me that I really did eat. Um, I started my journey and program about 16 years ago. And... um, I remember, well, I remember my whole entire life, all I did was think about food and used food to calm my uh, anxiety, my stress. Um, You know, I grew up in a household where uh, my father was very angry and um, I just ate. It was not a very happy place for me to be. And so I used food to calm everything. I can remember always being bigger than everyone else and feeling different than everyone else. So this goes back to even second grade, um, just feeling different. Um, And I grew up on that point system program. My mother, um, I think I was born in that WW program. I lived on it. I was brought up on it. Um, I remember having toast with cottage cheese and cinnamon that was like a special treat and I just think about all of the things that's on it that I don't eat anymore because I know that those are things that I'm obsessed about um how I really found program was I was watching those intervention shows on tv and I just remember thinking oh my gosh that is me with food like the way the addicts behaved and not recognizing how deep into their disease they were, that was me. I was so deep into my disease. It wasn't just the food. It was my behaviors, my attitudes, uh, my selfishness, everything that we learn about in program. Like I could put my name next to everything. When I read the big book and I replace the words, you know, alcohol and alcoholic with food and compulsive eating, that is me, all the behaviors of all the stories and of, um, of Bill and 
um, that is how I was able to connect to this program. I can remember coming to my first meeting and really not understanding what the heck it was. I knew about the 12 steps from the family program for probably about 30 years ago, but I never thought that <clears throat> I was an addict, that, you know, I was just associated or, you know, in a relationship with, or my father was, and I never considered myself um, one of those people. And coming into program, opened my eyes to the fact that I really have no control over myself, my food and my thoughts. And, you know, after I, my first meeting, six months later, I came back. And then about six months after that, I got my first sponsor. So I just think about how I had to um, keep crawling in, you know, I would come in and then I would kind of crawl a little bit out, but then I would crawl back in, right back in, because the obsession just controlled everything in my life. Um, I was a single mom most of my adult life, raising my two kids, um, Joey and Phoebe, and I know that I was not the best mom. I know that I yelled a lot. I know that I was angry a lot. I know that I was selfish a lot. I know that I use them to eat. You know, let's go to the drive-thru. Let's go get ice cream. Let's, and um, they grew up using food just like I did, which really hurts my heart. But I know that, you know, um, they have their own higher power. And, um, you know, being an adult myself, I recognize that I can't control my children. Um, Okay, let's step to, uh, let's think about how I got into programs. So my first sponsor, the first thing she had me do was put my scale away. So I was one of those weighers. I would wake, I would wake up, I would weigh myself. I would pee, I would weigh myself. I would poop, I would weigh myself. I would weigh myself with clothes on. I would weigh myself without clothes on. And this was like this obsession all day long, like hoping that, okay, I didn't eat anything today. So maybe I lost a pound and weigh myself before bed. And it was as much as an obsession to jump on the scale as it was to eat. Um, and the scale determined my day. And I know many of you get that. It, it was like, if I was below a number, my day would be good. But I never was below any number. I remember getting above 200. Okay, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna get any for 225. I got to 225 and thinking, okay, if I only gain so much more weight, then I'll be at 100 pounds overweight and then I can have the surgery. Like that's my crazy thinking. Like if I, I just literally needed to gain like 25 more pounds and then I would be 100 pounds overweight. At that point, I was 75 pounds overweight and here I am thinking, okay, my answer is surgery, not, my answer is uh, recovery or finding a solution. My answer was eating more food to get to the doctor so then I can have my stomach cut into and make my stomach smaller so then I would be skinny. And that was basically how I lived my life. Um, so I got into program and uh, I remember my first, I was just thinking about this today, my first abstinent meal. I think my daughter was 12. She was turning 12. And we went to dinner with her dad, my son, myself, and my daughter. And I was 
I still remember the anxiety and the shaking and having to excuse myself to call my sponsor because I was like, how do I do this? What if they know? What if they know that I won't eat better? Or what if what if they order something that I want to eat? And all these questions going through my, my mind of how am I going to handle myself? And it wasn't until she said, take a breath, say this serenity prayer, bring God with you. You'll be able to get through it. And it was a really rough evening, but I got through it. And then the next day I got through that. And here I am, you know, 15 years in program and every day I get through it and I get through it because of all of you. And I get through it because of what I learned in recovery. And I use the 12 steps in everything that I do in my life. I know that there's many things that I am, um, powerless over. I'm powerless over um, those around me. I'm powerless over my children. I'm powerless over my mother, my sister. I'm powerless over um, the people in the cars. I'm, you know, I thought I could control everything. And I'm powerless over my dog barking. I can't make my dog stop bark barking when I'm on the computer and she's barking. Like, uh, everything in my life I've recognized that I'm powerless over. Um, in program, at the beginning of program, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I really believe that God led me to program so I could have my higher power in my life more than I ever had. Because I know that if I didn't have higher power, I would probably be 300 pounds and miserable because, you know, I had to have surgery. I had to have five surgeries. Um, I was in bed, I was miserable, and I'm thinking, thank God I have all of you because you, my friends here in Phoenix, brought me Astonet Meals. You came to my house for meetings, um, and I was able to get through that really difficult time in my life because of program. I learned that um, it is not a me program, it is a we program, and I can't do this on my own. Um, you know, my sponsor came to my house, my OA fellows came to my house, and that was when I recognized that I isolate. And, um, you know, the opposite of isolation is connection and community. And that's what I get at this program because I would isolate. I didn't want to be connected to anybody. Um, I didn't want to have a community uh, that knew my deep secrets like you do. And, it, was, and it wasn't until then that I recognized that this is how I have to live my life. Um, you know, I got through um, my cancer. It took a couple years, um, feeling great. And then uh, my partner at the time um, decided to leave me because it was I was too much work. You know, I'm recovering from breast cancer and she left me. And so all I can think of was, how devastated I was, how devastated my children were. I thought it was gonna, you know, spend the rest of my life with this person. And I was able to get through the devastation of my cancer and a breakup because of program. It's because of all of you, because you've been there. You understand what it's like to lose something that you thought you could control. Like, I, this is this is going to be the outcome, and that's one of the biggest things I've learned in program is I can't control the outcome of anything. Excuse um, me, you've got five minutes left. Up. Oh my gosh! Okay, wow. Um, so I got through that, 
And um, I worked this program. I went to a meeting every day. Well, I still go to a meeting almost every day. If I can't get to a meeting, I listen to a podcast, which is another reason why I love this meeting, because those of you that have um, you know, been speaking at this meeting for all of the years that this meeting has been around, you saved my life. That was one of the things that I was talking about this morning. Someone was here and I'm like, I remember listening to that person speaking and saved my, you saved my life. I remember being on vacation. I remember being on my honeymoon in Hawaii and listening to podcasts because this is before Zoom. This is before like having a meeting 24 hours a day. I survived because you spoke your truth. And with you speaking your truth, I knew that I could be my truth. Um, a lot more of my truth is um, I'm a gay woman and I hid that my whole life. And, you know, when I came out, that was like another layer of the onion, you know, of me inside coming true to myself. And I hid for many years, 30 years, 35 years of being who I really was, which is another reason why I ate. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to share, you know, something else that program has gotten me through. In 2019, my daughter Phoebe died of a fentanyl overdose. And I'm not telling you this to um, be sad because it is sad and I miss her every day. But this program kept me alive and kept me close to my higher power and I did not eat over it. Um, I ran to God rather than running away. And that is one of the things that I really, if you are new or if you're struggling, just like I think God is on my shoulder, on this shoulder, and my daughter Phoebe is on this shoulder. And they are with me on this walk on this earth. And that is um, <clears throat> how I survive every day. I just want to share one last thing with you. And this is something that a friend of mine who her son died and... Um, she sent this message to me and it says, I'm so proud of you. You amazed me with how prepared you were spiritually to accept certain things and understand certain things. It's hard to explain, but what takes most people so long to get to that place, you were already there. Phoebe is so proud of you too. And I love that she's with Garrett and that is her son. Here's somebody not in program who recognized that this program saved my life and kept me connected. Um, lastly, I just, you know, I think I probably have a minute left that, um, you know, every day it's hard work. It's not an easy thing for me. This isn't easy. It's literally part of who I am. I have to work every single day to, um, remain abstinent, to be of usefulness to my higher power and to live the, um, the tools of the program. I still, you know, selfishness still comes out. My wife and I like it's very interesting how the only person I'm selfish with is my wife, but she reminds me, and I am so grateful that she does. Um, she reminds me that I'm selfish, and she also reminds me that she loves me unconditionally, um, regardless of how screwed up I am. Um, I think I'm probably very close to time. Um, Melissa, how much time do I have left? A little over a minute. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> so, um, and the one last, another thing I keep saying last thing. So one, another thing that program helped me do is have my own self-confidence because I was not a very confident person. I was in education for 20 years 
and um, it wasn't fulfilling to me anymore. And after my daughter died, I, I recognized that I needed something else in my life. And so I said to my wife, I want to become a chaplain. So I'm going to seminary school, like of all things. I'm this Jewish white girl going to seminary school to be a hospital chaplain. And I am doing this work because you all taught me how powerful this program is and how powerful my higher power is because I get to be with suffering every day. I get to remove my ego, which is one of the biggest things I learned in program. It is not about me. It's about the patient who had just got a diagnosis. It's about the family that is holding the hand of their dying loved one. And I get to be there with them. Um, and these are the things that program and the 12 steps have taught me. And that's why it is hard work. It's those intersections of my life. And part of it is um, 12 steps and, um, you know, Excuse admitting, me, that's your time, my friend. admitting that I have an eating disorder. And um, okay, thank you. With that, I pass. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question on Zoom, please share it through the chat um, or raise your hand and I will unmute you. Um, and that's it. Okay, here we go. Um, that's it. Raise your hand if you have questions, and um, I will um, ask you to unmute. Cheryl. Hi, Deb. Thank you for your lead. It makes me want to cry, but happy wow. cry and sad cry. Um, really. I you're, you're so spiritually fit and sound. Um, I do want to ask you how you dealt with maybe the rage of losing Phoebe practically speaking what did you do because I can't imagine uh, perhaps you had some rage and also whether forgiveness came into that and how you achieved those to be so serene today thank you thanks Cheryl um yeah I mean this is where outside program stuff worked for me you know um I had an amazing grief counselor and grief um, group, just like this group, just like I talked about isolation, you know, versus community and collaboration. And, and I knew that that's what I needed. Um, I have an amazing wife who supported me even when I, I thought I was going crazy. Like I literally thought I was going crazy and she was worried about me. You know, she was worried about leaving myself alone. She was worried about if I would, you know, leave the bed and go lay in my daughter's bed. And, and, um, I know that I couldn't have gotten through with it without her love. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for both of us. And, and, and it, you know, it, it let me see how couples struggle through the death of a child. Um, she has been, um, this like rock for me, how I think about our relationship is she is like this, um, this column that is stuck to the ground and doesn't move. And I am hanging on to her 
like, you know, the happy flappy balloon guy, because I literally am all over the place. So she grounds me. And it's with that that I was able to kind of bring myself to the ground because I remember feeling like I was floating in the air. My feet would not touch the ground, you know, and my sponsor had suffered a loss um, a couple years earlier and also friends. And then I was also, I'm also involved in a parenting group for parents that have lost children because I know that I need to have a connection. Um, and I really connected to my faith. You know, I'm Jewish and that really helped me. And I'm blessed that I have that because many of us don't. And um, really that's kind of how I got through the rage. Every day she is here with me. She's in my heart and I'm very sad. But I know her that she would not want me to live my life in sadness because she lived in love. And that's what she teaches me every day. Thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate that. Hola. Hi, thank you so much for your for your share. Um, you mentioned that uh, now you are applying uh, the 12 steps in every area of, of your life. I'm quite new to the 12 steps programs. So can you expand a little bit how you, you do that? Uh, because yeah, I, I, I'm still on my step one. That's okay. So I'm curious uh, about that so that I'm able also to to do that. Thank you. Absolutely. So there actually is a worksheet out there. And I think if you Google it and it says like working the 12 steps and all things or something, if somebody knows the name of it, um, just let me know. And, and that is the first thing I did. There's also really great workshops um, on working the 12 steps in your life. And, you know, um, uh, I think even at the birthday party, I think I've maybe even attended a workshop on how to live your life, you know, how to live in the 12 steps and you know working step one you've recognized that you're powerless over food and i recognized that once i admitted that i was powerless over food i was able to list all the things that i was powerless over and when i say you know in my morning prayers and when i say that i give my life and my power over to god i am truly doing that it is not something that happened overnight. It took years to really say that I have no power over these things in my life. I had no power of saving my daughter. I had no power of not getting cancer. I have no power of my father dying. I have no power of you know, the patient dying. I don't have any power over that. I don't know how these things work. Um, and I just took the 12 steps and I, whatever I was powerless over, that is how I responded. So I just went through each step in my writing, um, writing about what I was powerless over. If it is, you know, my children or their father, um, a big one for me that was actually asked about is forgiveness, you know, over, um, you know, my daughter's roommate. Like it took me two years to get to the place where, I had to work out my forgiveness over him. And I put that through the 12 steps. You know, to me, this is a life program. It's not just a food program. 
that's the first part of how I was able to take the steps into my life is because of the food. And I know I, I am woo-woo. I, I don't know what else to tell you, but this is how I live my life. And um, I, you know, I'm not like happy rainbows and skipping through life because it's tough. It is tough, especially when food is something that we need to sustain ourselves every single day. Um, just look at, for me, one of the things I'm going to say is look at all of the things that you're powerless over. But if you're starting program, just start with the food, start with your eating, start with your not eating. I don't know where you are in, in, um, you know, your compulsive eating, but look at where the food is in your life and how you're powerless over and just take those steps. Um, you know, it, I remember getting through the steps and asking, like, how do you know that you really have a higher power? You know, how do you know you connect to it? Like, I kept literally, like, asking for a year. I'd ask everyone, how do you know you really gave your life over? Like, how do you? And the, everyone's like, you don't. You just do and be. And that is literally how I live. And I don't know if I even answered any of your questions but I will, I, you know, if you want to talk more about it, I'll give you my email or my phone number and, um, you know, talk to you a little bit more about it. Thank you so much. You're Deb. so welcome. Melissa. Hey, Deb. Thank you so much for your share, honey. It was lovely. Can you share with us what your kind of daily, morning, evening, just during the day routine looks like and how you connect with your higher power? Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. I appreciate that. Um, I do start my morning with prayers. Um, two of my prayers are Jewish prayers. Um, and uh, two of my prayers are program prayers. Um, and I pray throughout the day. I honestly do like one of the things that I recognize in program is that if I don't pray, that's when I recognize I'm not connected to my higher power, which means I'm not living in recovery. So one of the things that I do is I have a dear fellow, he and I send each other the praying hands emoji when we pray and it reminds me to pray. It's just the emoji and we, we send it to each other throughout the day. And it reminds me, oh yeah, I, I, I need to stop for a moment and pray. Um, so that's part of my, uh, you know, my praying part. And then I do meditate. It could be three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, I have apps that I use and there's also really great program meditation. Um, it really helps me to quiet my mind. You know, I have, um, a lot of attention disorders. I have a lot of problems paying attention. Um, and I, like I said before, did not um, feel good about myself and trust in myself. And that's what meditation did for me is it really helped me to recognize that um, I am me and I bring God into everything. And in my meditation, um, I really think about um, how I can be of service and just to let go, let my mind stop going in the crazies, in the um, you know hamster wheel, in the what ifs. And that's what meditation does for me, is it really helps me to keep grounded. 
Um, and um, one last thing is that I'm going to also talk about my abstinence because that is really part of my program. I mean, my wife wrote, we have this jar that we write notes in for each other and then New Year's, we read them to each other. And one of the things she wrote in 2017 was, I'm so grateful for Deb's abstinence because she knows if I'm not abstinence, I'm going to be crazy. I will be crazy if I am thinking about foods that is in the refrigerator, foods that are on the counter, um, where we're going to go to dinner or what she's going to make, I will be crazy. And I'm blessed that she um, knows my abstinence. She is an amazing cook and she cooks for us and she cooks abstinent food. We're having people over today, you know, my family for family birthdays. She's made abstinent and non-abstinent food. So I know I'm not going to eat the non-abstinent food and she's made abstinent food that everyone can eat, but they don't need to know that it's abstinence for me. Um, and another um, part is recognizing that I only eat three meals a day and there's a beginning and an end to each meal. When I was in the food, I never stopped eating. There was never a beginning or an end. There was never putting the fork down. There was never putting the... the, the the plate in the dishwasher. So that is a huge part of my recovery and my abstinence every day is to have um, three meals. Occasionally I have a snack. If I'm like at the hospital working, you know, eight hours, I may stop and have, excuse me, have some fruit or something like that. But that's a lot of part of me. And okay, Frank, hello. Oops. I know. I asked you to mute, and then you unmuted, and then thank you. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. What a powerful share. And, and I heard you share before, and just it's amazing to see over time how many of us will progress in this program. You're, I know you're probably the best, uh, not the best judge of yourself, but I will tell you that was very, very touching and powerful and all program-oriented share. Thank you so much for that. So I have a question for you because um, it's selfish. I'm always trying to understand this myself and find clarity in it. How do you discern the difference between God's will and your will? And are there still times, like with me, where I clearly know what God's will is, but I'll still invoke mine? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am human. We're human. That's one of the things that I have recognized is that um, I'm human, and God is a power greater than me. So... That is literally how I do it. Um, I just had a thought and it escaped me. Um, oh, I remember. So one of the things that I've learned is that good enough is good enough. And um, that is really how I recognize my will toward or God's will, because I wanted to be perfect. But to me, God is the only perfect perfection. You know, to me, we are God's children. And to me, um, my higher power, uh, you know, has provided me the tools to live. And when I think about good enough is good enough, that's when I can quiet my mind and I can really listen. Look, I, I am, so I know you and I only know each other an hour a week and we spent a few years together, but you know, I'm not, perfect in any sense. You can ask my wife, you can ask my children, my sister, my mother. Um, I just am who I am. And um, I know that I'm good enough for who I am. 
today on this earth. Uh, yeah, that's how I can tell a difference. Um, you know, if I see it's my will, then I'll, you know, try something else. I'll listen harder. I'll meditate. I, I don't know. I, I just know that if it's my will, it's my will and it is what it is. And if it's God's will, it is what it is. But my will is nothing like God's. Like I know that it's only good enough and it's not as great. Once again, I know I'm very woo woo, but it's this program that got me there. Um, I'm not sure how much time I have left. I think I have a minute. You've got about, we're going to for oh. questions till 950. Oh. So you've got about six great. minutes. Awesome. Bob, Bob yes. asked me to speak, I don't remember how many years ago when he was secretary and I had no idea that secretaries come back and speak after they're finished. <laughs> so Bob, I'm so sorry that, well, actually you did speak for me when I was secretary. That's okay. Thank you. No problem. Um, thank you for your wonderful share. Uh, how important is service to you in this program? Thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, I, um, service is part of my recovery and part of my abstinence, you know, and, and, um, I provide service to <clears throat> two meetings, um, this one and another Tuesday, Thursday meeting. Um, and I also believe that attending meetings is service. When you speak, you're providing service to, um, those that attend. And I've also learned that, um, if I'm in a service position that is not good for my absence or recovery, I can step back. And I've had to do that in my local area. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, but I recognize that sometimes service can be a little too much when you're with people who are in recovery, in my own opinion. Um, and then outside program, you know, I really think about living service and being of service to those around me every day. And that helps me to recognize my recovery because that's one of the things that we talk about is, you know, service is recover is part of our recovery. It's a tool. And if I think about service to others, then I won't be thinking about myself or the food or my insanity. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love this meeting. I'm so excited that we stayed, um, online, part of it online and part of it in person, you know, cause I live in Arizona and, to be a part of um, an LA meeting is a blessing and an honor for me because, you know, like I said, you have all been a part of my life, not even knowing it. And that is another reason why I provide service to this meeting because many of you don't know what you've done for me. So thank you. Um, I have four more minutes. Anybody else? have a question um let's see if anybody put anything in the chat um you know i just wanted to speak one thing about like the struggle because life is a struggle um and uh yeah i, I just wanted to share that struggle it's real. And, um, if you're struggling, I, I, I'll put my phone number in the chat. Um, Don. Hey Deb, thank you for a Hi. great, um, would you talk about your conception of a, of a higher power? Thank you. 
Um, thanks. Yeah, you know, um, I do think in terms of my uh, spirituality, my spiritual um, belief, which is, you know, I'm Jewish. Um, and for me, I remember thinking growing up that God was like this all-powerful being that would strike me with um, lightning if um, I wasn't, you know, good enough or smart enough or uh, um, anything like that. You know, like I remember praying to God, please, I want to wake up skinny. Like that was the kind of God that I had in my life before program. So my God has always been the same from when I was a little girl into until now, but what's morphed is me. What's changed is me. Like when I meditate and, and when I hear my higher power, my higher powers always reminds me that I've always been there with you. Um, but I have not always been there for my higher power. I've not always been there to open myself up to listen, to um, accept my um, addiction. Um, and really, it's just this spiritual spirit for me that is with me at all times. And, and like I said, I am very woo-woo and spiritual. And um, it's because I would not be sane and abstinent if that is not who I am today um, because I had to be good enough. Uh, I believe I answered that what you were asking. If it's not, you do have my phone number. So I believe you still do. Um, yeah, you can text me. Um, if you, you know, if you're new and you're like, I don't understand this higher power thing, just a lot of the, my, the beginning of for me was acting as if, acting as if I believed, acting as if I was abstinent, acting as if I was in program. And the acting as if kind of slowly like, oh, I am believing, I am opening myself up. I am um, doing the best that I can every day because like I said, I never thought I was good enough for anything. I was fat, ugly, stupid, but now I know. Excuse me, that's your time, Deb, thank you. Thanks, Don.